Hey, everyone. Welcome to Active and Connected Families. I am so excited to have Caroline back at the mic with me because we're talking about social anxiety and halfway through the podcast, she literally gets all red and starts sweating when we start talking about Tony Bennett. It's true. We use Tammy Taylor and Tony Bennett as models for how we help kids get through social anxiety. And strangely, it works. So take a listen. We're going to be chatting about the signs and symptoms of social anxiety, the signs and symptoms of just social pressure. And then we're going to talk about strategies to help your kids get through it. We hope you enjoy it. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Caroline. Hi, Amanda. Hi, guys. Caroline, I've been talking all day, yet as soon as we hit record, we're coming at you with energy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> like We even blow dried our hair with the intent of maybe video recording us, but then we decided not to do it. I feel like it's for the best. I'm not sure I'm all the way there for video recording today. One day you all, one day you will see me in Cole's closet surrounded by all of his clothes and soccer jerseys recording for you all. You'll notice that I don't even have a microphone. So really <laughs> professional over here. But guys, the reason we're able to do this is because we have both overcome adolescent social anxiety. I tell people all the time, you can't pay me to go back. To being a teenager? No, I cannot be a teenager again. Like late middle school, early high school. Oof. Well, it's, I mean, I feel like I talk to kids all day and there's just, I think part of being a teenager is having social anxiety. That's part of the job of being a teenager is to really be like, how do people interpret me? How do I present myself? Who am I away from my family? but it's exhausting. It's so hard because you're spending all this energy figuring out who you are and worrying about like, are people going to judge me for who I am? Am I going to be criticized for who I am? What if people don't like me for who I am? Oh my gosh, it's endless. And I think actually what makes it even even funnier or like also endless is that it's as a teenager, it's like, what if they don't like me as a jock? Maybe they're not going to like me as an athlete. And that happens like for two weeks. And then the next week, it's like, maybe they won't like me as someone in drama. Maybe they won't like me as the star of the play. They just go through each role looking for feedback and feeling anxious about how they're being perceived and who they are in all these different roles. Mm-hmm. So y'all, if you're parenting teenagers and if they seem anxious about who they are socially, 
it makes sense and you're not alone. <laughs> I remember as a teenager, uh, like my mom got me a pair of skinny jeans, like probably two years before they were like mainstream cool. And I like tried to wear them one day and literally had a meltdown about what if people don't like me wearing skinny jeans because flared jeans were still in. And it literally was like, I was losing my mind. Caroline, you were a trendsetter and you didn't know it. Well, I don't think I ever wore them again until they were like, <laughs> well, until that- I got so confident five years later. That's actually, and they were in then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But y'all, I actually think that's a great little segue you didn't mean to get us to is kind of what are the signs and symptoms of social anxiety among teenagers? And I think you just hit on this one that I see even raising boys is like once kids hit a certain age, whether this meets like true social anxiety as a disorder or just as a part of this age, but being so particular about specific sets of clothes because you don't want to be seen as a certain way. Yep. And I feel like a big worry, like everything goes back to this idea of like, what if I get embarrassed or something is awkward, right? That is the big fear. If something is embarrassing or something is awkward, particularly like clothes, a social interaction, oh gosh, speaking to an adult, that's what I hear about constantly. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Like going to ask a teacher for help. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I mean, I think social anxiety for teenagers comes in so many ways. Part of it is because of the pandemic and there wasn't as much interaction outside of the house. And part of it is just separating and being treated more independently. But talking to adults, talking on the phone is actually hard for some folks. Like even just what I would have done calling up Domino's to order a pizza like that, that level can feel really difficult for teenagers. Walking into a group, right? So if I'm alone and someone's already like this group is already at a lunch table or someone's already sitting like approaching a group of other teenagers. Absolutely. Not knowing what to say, kind of like being in a group and I mean, when I was younger, I would be in a group and genuinely not say a word because I was so anxious about what I was going to say. So just not really knowing what to say. Yeah. And I feel like there's that. I hear a lot about that feeling of like, I'm walking down the hallway at school and there's like a spotlight on me. Like, what if everyone is looking at like my every move, right? That feeling that everyone, everyone's eyes are on me. Yes. And y'all, these are kind of the baseline symptoms, but when it gets really bad, some kids have full-blown panic attacks about going to certain parties or going to certain events. Um, They can experience like physical symptoms like sweaty palms or like heart beating really quickly. Stomach aches. Stomach aches. Yeah. I mean, but I think for parents, you all understanding that this just low level anxiety around social interaction is is pretty high right now and pretty normal for teenagers. Yeah, I don't know that any of us, I mean, maybe there are some people, I don't know that any of us get through being a teen without levels of social anxiety. Like, do you remember going on your first date? I wasn't like a teenager when I went on my first date. I'm sure I was in my 20s or something. I mean, when I say going on a date, I mean like going to the movies with some friends and like 
maybe there was a boy there that I was had a crush on. Like that you talked to once and thought it was meant to be. I, mean, uh, I was not talking to them if I had a crush on them. <laughs> they were too anxious. <laughs> <laughs> and literally Caroline and I's full job is to talk to each other now. So if it's bad for us as extroverts, imagine how it is for some introverts out there. It's got to be so hard. It is really hard. So let's talk about ways that we can kind of help kids who are struggling with social anxiety or social pressure, whether it's like within the realm of normal or if it is above the realm of normal. So one of the things I always talk about is how much time folks are spending on social media or at least an understanding of what social media is, making sure our kids understand what social media is. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I do, but I don't know if everyone does. Will you tell us? Yes, here we are. So in general, we all know that it takes teenagers and adults, me too, like a full hour to create a social media post. Y'all, if I'm trying to take a selfie, just like any 13-year-old girl out there, I might take it 10 times, be like, this one doesn't look right. Even if it's like my relaxed look. I'm still out there making sure I look good, right? And I'm 42 and I actually am not trying to prove myself that much in the world, right? And there's also stuff that like we're trying to take a good photo, but you and I don't have all of the apps that the teenagers have to then doctor the photo. We're spending a lot of time on taking the photo, but the teenagers then have like all of the apps to change everything. I, which I think many adults don't know. So can you talk about that actually? So there are apps like, I mean, what is it? Facetune, I think is what it's called. There are apps that teenagers, that people download on their phones, right? And you can basically Photoshop your face or your body on a photo in real time and then post it. So it's like you obsess over taking the picture itself and then you edit it. You know, the example I can think of is someone like making their waist smaller. And so... I have a really good other example of this, Caroline, because I think what happens for teenagers is we are looking at other people's best selves and and a photoshopped version of them of themselves right. when they're looking at Instagram. It's not real. No, it's absolutely not real. So when a 13-year-old girl or a 16-year-old boy or whatever takes a picture of themselves or even just looks in the mirror and it doesn't look like what they think other teenagers look like because they're seeing Instagram or Snapchat or whatever all the time, it automatically creates a certain level of anxiety, like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And here's my example of this for all the 42-year-olds out there. Did you guys know that there's a filter you can put on Zoom that evens out your wrinkles? Caroline, did you know that? I did know that. But there's also just the filter on Instagram that makes your skin look like airbrushed and like you have a little bit more mascara on. Well, listen, I didn't know that until 
like a month ago until one of the people who works at Virginia Family Therapy was like, by the way, this is a this is a filter you can put on your Zoom. And I have spent the entire pandemic being like, gosh, I really have to do something about my skin. Everyone else's skin looks amazing. I clearly am not getting Botox enough, but I've just realized people are putting these filters on and I'm actually within the realm of normal. Hopefully. Yes. But it's like very confusing also when it's live, like on Zoom, right? Like that's not even a still photo that's been edited. That's just like presenting this version of myself on a work meeting. And you can make, you know, you can make the setting like super intense. So people really can look a little bit like totally flat because everything can be washed out or you can make the filter really low. So people can make the filters look more or less like them as they do it. Yeah. Well, and the other part of social media, I mean, I was definitely in the texting age in high school, but it was, or AIM, like those were my generation, but you weren't looking at yourself all the time, right? Like selfies were not a thing yet, but now kids also like the way that they're communicating is on Snapchat. So that just the amount of time they're able to spend criticizing themselves is so much higher. It is so much higher. And I think kids do it to other people and they do it to themselves. And what many kids don't realize is that they're comparing themselves to a false other person. It's not true what they're seeing on Snapchat or Instagram about other people, but they're automatically feeling anxious about who they are. And I think it's so hard to believe that it's not true. Even as an adult, when I see what I know is like a curated photo, I feel bad that I'm not doing that. So I don't know as a teenager, like how you would hold that that's not real. I think that I think you're absolutely right about that. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think the same thing goes for spending time with other people and spending time with friends. I think teenagers really assume that if they're seeing if they're seeing a group of girls on Instagram posting that they were out, by the way, I do this too, but that they were out and then they're like, but I wasn't invited or they have such a better social life than me. I'm not good enough. I think, yes, it happens. It is true sometimes that people can get left out and find out about it on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. I just say Instagram because I'm 40. Um, But it also can be that people think other lives are better than they are because that's all they're seeing. Yep. So the intervention is really teach this to your kids. Just really talk to your kids about it. Make sure they know what they're looking at. Make sure they're you're they're getting a, a real understanding that what they're seeing on social is not always real. Yeah. And just a side plug reminder, if you're trying to figure out what your kid is looking at on social media, look at their social media because it's going to have their algorithm. Your social media is not going to show you what your child is looking at. I love that. You always remember that. I find it terrifying. (laughs) Well, I know you're absolutely right. If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. 
Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, familytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, so what's another way to help for parents to help their kids cope with some social anxiety? So like in person, when I'm talking to teenagers, I, I often talk to them about the idea of like, maybe they're coming in too hot or they're coming in too cold, right? And what I mean by that is like, they're overcompensating, right? Like maybe you're anxious and you're over talking, you're over interrupting, you're laughing like so hard, right? Like, or you say something and you're like, no, at the end of it, right? Like you're coming in. <laughs> Caroline, that makes sense. Right? Like you're coming in too hot, like you're a little bit too eager, like you so badly want to fit into the conversation that you're overcompensating. Same desire when you're coming in too cold, but you're shut down, right? So you're you're a little, maybe like you don't look very happy or you're not smiling or you're looking at your phone because you're anxious. So it makes it look like you're not engaged or interested in the conversation, Right. And so if a kid is like, and I talk about how it's so normal and a lot of us default to like one of the two things, but it can depend on the situation too. So talking to kids about like, Hey, if I notice I'm coming in too hot or if I notice I'm coming in too cold, can I like take a minute and then like try to come back to baseline? Caroline, did you come up with this on yourself? Cause you, by yourself, because you literally introduced me to this idea this morning and I was like, this is genius. Seriously, did you just come up with that? I think so. Maybe I like heard it on a podcast two years ago, but this is something I've been talking about forever. But I think it is really true because I think the way anxiety, like we experience anxiety in our bodies is it's kind of like a buzzing usually. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of like a buzzing. Our neurons are like sensitive. You know, we're picking up a ton of information and our heart is beating a little bit faster. And I think for some people that revs them up. They kind of externalize the buzzing. They put the buzzing out and then they're coming in too hot. And then there's another crew who's just fully internalizing the buzzing and kind of like being so anxious that they don't put anything out into the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now let's actually further. So for me, when I see folks that are going the kind of too cold or the too low, yeah. I really see that playing out as folks like they might be really, really happy to be somewhere, but they're not smiling or they might. But I think that's right. They're so excited to be included sometimes or they're just like, this is what I really want, but I don't know what to say. So I avoid by looking at my phone the whole time. Right. Or like, I'm so excited to be there that I'm so scared I'm going to say the wrong thing that I just don't say anything. Right. Right. As like, if I mess up, it's too high stakes. I can't mess up. So I shut down. Absolutely. And I also always tell teenagers in this way is teenagers really think that if they make a mistake, everyone is going to know about it and everyone is going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And there's a piece of that that is sometimes true. And that's maybe like 1% of the time. The other piece of that is 99% of the time, other teenagers are not talking about people's mistakes. And research supports this. It's called the adolescent fable, 
where it's like teenagers think that if they have a zit on their on their forehead and they walk through the cafeteria, everybody is going to be talking about that zit that's on their forehead. Or if they trip or if they say something slightly awkward, they think everyone's going to be talking about it. But the reality is, is that every teenager is anxious as F. And so they're so worried about themselves. They're not noticing the mistakes that other people are making. Like everyone is so self-focused as a teenager. Also, like most of us are relatively like relatively to very forgiving of other people's mistakes and way harder on ourselves. So I will ask teenagers, like, can you think of a time that your friend like did something or said something like kind of awkward? And sometimes they can't even think of something or sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I mean, there was like this one time and I'm like, okay, so did that change the way that you felt about your friend? And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, okay, then you don't have to think that your life is over if you say something a little bit awkward. And it's like putting yourself in the other person's shoes. I think that's the piece that teenagers just struggle with so much is just putting themselves in other people's shoes in a realistic and accurate way, right? Teenagers put a certain subset of the population up on pedestals and then they just feel anxious. They think those people up on pedestals are doing everything perfectly. They want to impress that crew or do everything right without realizing that it's, it's no one's perfect. No. I also talk to teenagers about like, Hey, there's actually like a very broad spectrum of like socially acceptable behavior that people aren't going to sort of bat an eye at, right? Like you're making it feel like it's like this like paper thin. Yes. Of like, I have like one degree that I can exist in. Like there's a whole bell curve. There's like a whole big scale of socially acceptable behavior that people aren't going to like notice. No, of course not. Because teenagers are so worried about themselves. They're not noticing other people. Mm Mm-hmm. So adults know this stuff, right? Like so many adults, so many parents listening to this know all of this stuff that we're saying. How do we help the adults get this information to the teenager? Like, how would you do that? We haven't even, guys, we didn't prep this. So we're really just coming up with stuff now. I think sometimes you can see it, right? I think sometimes if you're around your teenager and they're, feeling really anxious, you can see it, right? So not in the moment, especially if their friends are around, but later on circling back with your kid and being like, hey, I'm always noticing or curious, wondering. Yeah. And saying like, hey, I'm just curious, like your friends were all here and you were on your phone, like, were you okay? Right? And if they, and you're just opening the door to a conversation of them maybe saying they were anxious. If they say nothing, I mean, I don't know if they're going to say anything. Do you think they're going to say anything? I don't know. It depends. Like, here's what I do in my house, and this only works in my house, okay? But sometimes if I notice that one of my kids is struggling with something, I'll be, I will be like, hey, I saw this kid today that was experiencing X, Y, Z. What do you think I should do to help them? But I've fully made it up, right? So in this instance, I, if I noticed that a kid was struggling, one of my children was struggling with like being probably too hot 
around other kids, I'd be like, man, I had this kid come in and he said that when he's around other kids, he gets like really, really hyper. And sometimes it pushes his friends away. What do you think I could do to help him? Right? Like that's how I start the conversation in my house. That's great. I mean, it works when you're a therapist. Or a teacher, right? There are other parent roles, like anything that's cl- anything that's kid facing. A doctor. You could also do it like, oh, I was talking to one of my friends recently, and you could like make up a friend who lives in another state and be like, oh, they said their kid was struggling with this. I don't know. What do you think about that? This is a whole other podcast about how do we subtly talk, get our kids to talk to us about something that they are experiencing. Yeah. And I think like the temptation here for a lot of us, and I mean, you and I have done our own anecdotes today, right? I think we would really want to validate the experience for our teen. But if I validate the experience by talking about my own teenage experience of social anxiety, it's probably not going to be received very well. No. Now I'm worried about me. No. Well, you know what? This does launch into the whole point of why I wanted to do this podcast, which is because I wanted an opportunity to talk about Tammy Taylor. So Amanda texted me and said, let's do a Tammy Taylor social anxiety podcast. And I was like, what does I love Tammy Taylor, but I'm really confused (laughs) as to what's happening. So you all. um, So Tammy Taylor is played by Connie Britton on the TV show Friday Night Lights. So, you know, it's a TV show that I think adults and teens and young adults all kind of love. I don't know if the teenagers are watching it now. I think some of them are getting back into it because it was just released on Netflix again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have certainly watched the whole series at least twice. Oh, I watched it as a young adult. And then again, as an adult now recently. Of course. I mean, I certainly did too. I'm absolutely. And and most most young women, at least, have watched it, I think, because how could you not want to watch Tim Riggins? I'm just saying. <laughs> or Coach Eric Taylor, right? Like, I have many friends in college who are like, Coach Eric Taylor is the man of my dreams. I wanted to be Tammy Taylor. I kind of, I'm a therapist, but I like really, when I, I wanted to be Tammy Taylor. That's the experience that I think many, many people have. And so... What I like about Tammy Taylor is that she is she's she's like a Southern woman, y'all. And if you can't tell, I at least am slightly Southern. Um, But the show is set in Texas, too. Yes, the show is set in Texas and she is a Southern woman. And essentially, but she's she's also. Well, whatever. When when hard stuff comes to Tammy, because she deals with lots of really difficult situations, she is just warm and friendly and has boundaries no matter what comes her way. She does. Like she a badass. She's a badass. Yeah, where she's like dancing in the opening credits. <laughs> she is. She's such a badass. Listen, I also use Tammy Taylor for marital therapy too, because I very frequently am like, how would Tammy Taylor handle this situation? Connie Britton remembers when I ran into her one time in college and came in too hot. (laughs) I did not, I was not (laughs) Tammy Taylor in that moment. It's actually amazing. But like, so Tammy, what she does well is people can come at her with 
hard, difficult stuff. And she just kind of lets it blow over and is warm and friendly and smiles no matter what. When she walks into a room, she is warm and friendly and smiles. She's not too hot. She's not too cold, right? She's just kind of that middle space of like, I can handle whatever comes my way. And it doesn't mean like Tammy is not walked all over, right? Nope. Tammy is direct. She is assertive. And she like, yeah, she has really great boundaries. And she'll say like, no, this is not okay. Right. But she just does it in a way that's, that's warm and friendly. Yeah. Yeah. She's warm and friendly and she sets boundaries. Like she gets a lot of stuff done and she loves the people that she works with. She loves her husband. She loves her family. Like she's got a lot going for her. But my point is, is that most teenagers have watched Friday Night Lights and are, and most teenagers actually really, really like Tammy Taylor and most young adults, college students too. And so what I have folks do is really try to practice being like Tammy Taylor, which I know is crazy. They they can be themselves and carry Tammy Taylor with them. It's an energy, right? Like it's going to be different for everyone, but it's this calm, cool, collected, confident energy. Absolutely. Like I've had teenage girls essentially watch episodes of Friday Night Lights, go into the bathroom, and then try to practice saying hello in a warm way after watching how Tammy Taylor does it. It's amazing. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it works. It works. Okay, so basically what we're saying by Tammy Taylor is that she's modeling, right? Absolutely. She is modeling how to be warm. And that's right. Just as we were saying, we're being too warm or not warm enough. And so she's just that neutral middle ground of like the right amount of warmth. I think you're absolutely right. And I also think it's an easy way by watching Friday Night Lights with your kids. It's an easy way to start having that conversation. Yeah. Like, I need to go watch Friday Night Lights again. Oh, of course. But if you are, if you are watching it with a, teenager and you're like oh like don't you notice how Tammy is always so warm and even when she walks into a room don't Mm -hmm. you notice wow they're being like kind of hard on her but she's just kind of rolling with it and setting boundaries don't you notice when she walks in she smiles it's really like she's a great visual for learning social skills Mm -hmm. can we come up with a boy I, I mean, I can't imagine that we're going to get like a teenage boy trying to be like Tammy Taylor. Um, it's really hard. It's actually really hard. I said Tom Hanks, but that's not like a character. That's just a person. That is a person. And is he too dad-ish? That's what right? I was thinking. He's too like paternal. You know, my kids watch um, watch a lot of YouTube. I think that's what a lot of like teenage boys watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're or they watch a lot of sports. So actually, number one, you could think of maybe like a sportscaster and how they're like pretty warm and engaging when they're when they're up there, when they're talking and interviewing. Do you know what I mean? 
What are you laughing at? We can't put this in the podcast. Of course, who's coming to mind is Tony Bennett. Why can't you put that in the podcast? We can put it in the podcast. Guys, I don't. Just you're because- right. I'm so red. I have social anxiety. Caroline got bright red, you all. Bright, bright red. It is true. He's so great. (laughs) Caroline. Caroline. Sometimes Caroline will see him out and about and be like, hey, guess who I just saw? Which is, I think every person in Charlottesville feels that way. So it's okay. But I will tell you this, Caroline. I don't know if you've heard this other side idea I had where I wanted to teach social skills to boys using clips from the um, press conferences of the UVA basketball team. No, but that's amazing. I mean, I had like a full, anybody can steal this idea. I had like a full on idea where you would teach a skill, get a clip from the UVA basketball team and, and highlight that skill and then practice it. Especially y'all, The reason if you're not following UVA basketball, um, you might want to because the reason UVA basketball is useful is they're all very, very, very kind. That's kind of like the attitude of the UVA basketball team. So they're all very kind and humble. Tony Bennett teaches them to be. I feel like Tony Bennett might be the Tammy Taylor. I don't know. I think you're probably right. But here's here was one of my visions. One of my lessons was they will, the players will essentially give each other shit, but also be really, um, supportive. Right. So someone will be like, how, you know, how did you score that three? That was amazing. Kyle guy. And I'll be like, yeah, Ty like gave me, like looked me over, but then he, then he gave me an amazing pass. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like ribbing each other, but not in a way that's like cruel, but in a way that is like warm. It's great. Yep. It's awesome. I think, okay. So now listen, we've got Tammy Taylor and Tony Bennett and the UVA sports teams. Great. So watch these y'all like watch these with your kids because you can start having the conversations with your kids about it around social anxiety. And, and what I really do is I'll tell kids watch five minutes of Tammy Taylor before you go out. Then right before you walk into a party, take like five deep breaths Think about being Tammy Taylor and then just walk in like with your confident, warm aura. And that actually like it works. It works. You need a vision, right? It gives them a picture in their head of how they're trying to do it. I totally agree. I'm like, I hope Connie Britton feels happy. Me too. How's she doing? (laughs) I know. I hope she's doing okay. Um, Any other thoughts on this, Caroline? I think, yeah, normalize it, encourage, I think you really want to like encourage your kid to continue to do the thing that is making them feel socially anxious. Yes. Right. Because it's developmentally appropriate, both for them to do the thing and to feel anxious about it. And practice it, right? Like practice it. I've even in the therapy room, I've had, um, clients walk around to all the other therapists and practice like introducing themselves. It's a pretty easy one, but you can, you can get your kids to practice it sometimes. And if you can't get your kids to practice it, you can sometimes bring them to therapy for like two sessions and we can practice a whole bunch of stuff with them. And then it's kind of done. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. Anything else? Fun podcast. I know. I kind of wish we would have talked about Tammy Taylor from the beginning. <laughs> but and Tony, <laughs> and Tony Bennett. Caroline got red again. Um, Guys, I'm a 15 year old again, apparently. Um, okay, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you can share it with your teenager and they can listen to us blabber on. Um, but otherwise, like and subscribe and let us know if you need anything. Talk to you soon. Bye, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.